Russia's most destructive hackers charged by the US government, and Irish data regulator launches GDPR probe into Instagram. These stories and more in this week's ISMG's Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. Six people from the Sandworm Hacking Group are wanted by the FBI for launching a long series of hacks and leaks internationally. Experts say they've been expecting this day to come for some time. But the question is, why now? ISMG's Matthew Schwartz, executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, analyzes the story. Their cyber attack combined the emotional maturity of a petulant child with the resources of a nation state. That's the U.S. Assistant Attorney General for National Security, John C. Demers, speaking at a Monday press conference. Demers was describing one of numerous attacks ascribed to a Russian hacking group called Sandworm, in this case against the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea. But for more than a decade, security experts have been tracking the group's activities. A federal grand jury indictment returned last week and unsealed on Monday charges six men, all officers in Russia's GRU Military Intelligence Agency, with being part of GRU Unit 74455, a.k.a. Sandworm. Today we announce criminal charges against the conspiracy of Russian military intelligence officers who stand accused of conducting the most disruptive and destructive series of computer attacks ever attributed to a single group. The first attacks, named in the indictment, occurred from December 2015 through December 2016 and targeted Ukrainian government and critical infrastructure using malware known as Black Energy in Destroyer and KillDisk. These were the first reported destructive malware attacks against the control systems of civilian critical infrastructure. These attacks turned out the lights and turned off the heat in the middle of the Eastern European winter as the lives of hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian men, women, and children went dark and cold. Other attacks ascribed to Sandworm include attempted election interference in France in 2017, attacks against organizations investigating Russia's chemical weapons attack on UK soil in 2018, attempts to disrupt the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo before they were rescheduled to next year. The six men have also been blamed for NotPetya, a piece of destructive malware disguised as ransomware, which targeted Ukraine, but also took down numerous other organizations worldwide, including Danish shipping giant Maersk, FedEx subsidiary TNT Express, and many others. Here's the FBI special agent in charge of the Bureau's Pittsburgh office, Michael Chrisman. His office helped lead this sandworm investigation. The GRU is a persistent adversary actively engaging in espionage and destructive attacks. These cyber attacks are unmatched in their destructive manner and disregard for public safety and innocent victims. In fact, NotPetya was the most destructive cyber attack in history, with approximately 10 billion in damages and over 300 victims worldwide. The indictments unsealed Monday are only the latest attempts by the U.S. to combat serious disruptive nation-state hack attacks. Previous indictments have targeted Chinese and Iranian hackers, as well as Russians, including personnel of the Internet Research Agency in February 2018 for their attempt to interfere in the 2016 U.S. elections. 
Other efforts have targeted GRU teams, for example, for hacking anti-doping agencies. Separately, the EU earlier this year sanctioned Russia for hacking into the German parliament's network. Sanctions and indictments are just a couple of the tools nations can use to try and establish global norms for nation-state behavior online. Whether or not they will be effective, however, remains to be seen. So is the timing of the indictment, coming just two weeks before the U.S. presidential election, a coincidence? Faced with that question at the Monday press conference, A.G. Devers simply said that these cases take time to prepare. Regardless, this is likely the U.S. government signaling to Russia that it will brook no interference in the upcoming election. It may also be a direct response to the dubious story run by the New York Post about Hunter Biden and ties to Burisma. The story, being spread by Rudy Giuliani, has been seized on by President Donald Trump to try and discredit rival Joe Biden as an October surprise before the election. But House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, a Democratic California lawmaker, said last Friday that this smear campaign against Biden and his ties to Ukraine began as a Russian disinformation plot launched more than a year ago. With less than two weeks until the U.S. presidential election, what happens next remains anyone's guess. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Continuing the topic of nation-state nefarious activity, if there's one thing you should dedicate time to this week, be sure to watch ISMG's Cybersecurity's Inconvenient Truth, The Nation-State Threat, a fascinating and timely video discussion led by our senior vice president of editorial, Tom Field, with panelists Sam Curry of Cyber Reason, Tom Kellerman of VMware Carbon Black, and Steve King of Cyber Theory. It's a frank discussion on the key nation-state adversaries and the true risk to public and private sector entities. Here's Sam Curry on the tactics the adversaries are employing now and how they'll evolve in the year ahead. There's almost two motions here. First is it's like, imagine if you lived in a city where gangs were getting more bold and vicious. That's ransomware. I used to say it's retrograde, but I'm going to go further and say you have to worry for your physical safety in that analogy. But at the same time, the more sophisticated criminals are taking over city government, they're stealing billions from the banks, and they're, they're basically trying to own society you know, to a certain degree in my analogy. And both motions are happening. That latter motion is the nation state. It helps when there's havoc on the streets. They drop the ransomware on the way out as punitive, but they also do it because they, they know that IT will, will, will just come in and reimage the system to get availability back up and clean up the forensic evidence for them. It's dropping their grenade on the way out and, and then letting your crime scene with the wounded being taken care of by the EMTs who respond. And um, that, that I don't think is going to change. And I think during the COVID, what we saw was this wave of trying the old tricks again. DDoS came back fast. It felt in IT like it was 2000 because help desk password resets and VPN problems became the biggest issues in, in certainly in my list and a lot of my colleagues' lists. Take everything off the shelf and run it out. But they've been using that time to develop. So I think we're going to go through misinformation, disinformation, and, and some saber rattling and maybe some pretty serious things happening around the election. And then next year, we're going to see as we go from when, you know, work at the office, work at home, now work from anywhere. 
we're going to start to see new attacks turn up against things like home automation, targeting things like ISP spaces, because that's the new enterprise footprint, going after IoT and OT devices, even dusting off old BIOS attacks and printers and routers. So the time for them to start putting away the old tools is, is, is right around October, November. I think ransomware will continue to go after those who must pay. I mean, heck, we've seen them go after healthcare and it's disgusting right? We see them go after critical infrastructure, also disgusting. But what we're going to see is new attacks and more subtle ones that use new playbooks. And finally, the EU's lead authority for Facebook in Ireland is investigating whether the company illegally processed children's data. Could this result in the end of business profiles for minors on their platform? Here's ISMG's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, with more on the story. In July 2019, a San Francisco-based data scientist named David Steer noticed something odd on Facebook's Instagram service. Millions of children were using Instagram's business profiles, which are intended for businesses. Using a business profile means either an email address or a phone number or both are made public. Steer found the situation alarming enough to alert Ireland's Data Protection Commissioner, which is the regulator for Facebook in Europe. Now, nearly 18 months later, the DPC has launched an investigation into whether Instagram improperly displayed the email addresses and phone numbers of minors on its platform. The DPC will conduct two statutory inquiries. One will look at Instagram's profile and account settings and whether those are appropriate for children under the General Data Protection Regulation, which is the European Union's data protection law. That inquiry will also look at whether Facebook has respected the data protection rights of children as vulnerable persons. The second inquiry will look at how Instagram processes children's contact details. It's not entirely clear why children, who must be 13 to use Instagram, choose to convert their regular profiles to business ones. But it's been suggested that Instagram offers better analytics tools for how posts are performing for business profiles, and that may have struck interest amongst younger people for their own posts. ISMG was the first outlet to report Steer's findings in June 2019, and I was surprised at how easy it was to see email addresses and phone numbers for minors. Simply clicking on email address or call on a minor's Instagram profile would either bring up a new mail message in an email application or go to a device's phone function. Calling, texting, or emailing a minor would occur outside of Instagram, so the social networking service would have no way to monitor the communication. Often by looking at the profiles, because all the content by default is public, it was easy to figure out where a child went to school and see recent photos of a family holiday, for example. Child safety experts, as well as Australia's Office of the eSafety Commissioner, which oversees child safety internet issues, told me at the time that the situation was concerning due to the ease at which child predators could reach out to children. At the time, Instagram said it was concerned about child safety and publishes guides for parents on social media safety. The issue slowly gained steam throughout last year, with more media outlets covering it. Then in November 2019, Instagram quietly changed its privacy settings to allow people using a business profile to opt out of sharing their contact details. However, someone who converts their profile to a business one must go into the settings to mask their data. Instagram tells me this week that it's clear to people when they set up a business account that their contact information would be displayed, which is very different to exposing people's data, it says. It cast Steer's findings as a mischaracterization. Steer tells me that Instagram's changes were actually only minor adjustments. Instagram has done nothing to anonymize the personal contact details for millions of kids who set up fake accounts, he tells me. 
Steer told me that some miners who had business profiles that he looked at in August 2019 still have their email addresses and phone numbers exposed. Facebook could face steep fines if it's found to have violated GDPR. The Irish regulator could fine it 20 million euros or up to 4% of its global revenue. There are steps that Instagram could take to address what's a glaring problem. For example, it could ban minors from having business profiles. Also, it could alert children who are exposing their email addresses and phone numbers, advising them for safety reasons that the data should not be visible. Whether Instagram will take steps to do that to get ahead of the regulator remains to be seen. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Couric. That's it from ISMG's Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Thank you.